The more that you know yourself, that when something happens or you start to feel like this is not the path, again, you can say, okay, I know how to examine these feelings. And then I'm confident that when I make a decision that to people on the outside, those people who may, you know, are, are responsible for either breaking up or building down your confidence, you can say, hey, you know what? This is the right choice for me. You'll know at least this is why. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knabel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This week on episode 124, I have the privilege of sitting down with business and leadership educator and strategic coach, Shay Keats, yet again. Um, And we talk all about cultivating confidence. And I cannot tell you how excited I was to bring Shay specifically on for this discussion because she is someone who has taught me so much about really like aligning myself with what I believe, with what motivates me, with my core values in order to really architect the life I want. And in that process, building confidence is such a huge part of that. And so I really wanted to bring her on for this. This is one of her keynote speeches that she gives and talks that she gives um, with business groups. And um, I've been able to be on the consumption end of that. And so I just said, hey, will you be willing to, you know, give us some of these tips and tricks, just like a little sprinkling of what you get in the workshop. And so she said, yes, and I'm so excited. So this week we are digging into what it means to really cultivate confidence in your life. This discussion is obviously there if you're an entrepreneur, but this is also for you if you are not an entrepreneur. So I just, I want to make sure to put that out there. I know a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, but not everybody. And so uh, we, I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. This is something that we all need to lean into to finding, you know, that self-assuredness, that self-awareness that brings about that confidence. And it really is a practice. And that's a lot of what we talk about in this episode is how do we find a practice that cultivates confidence? And then how do we continue that and keep that cycle going and get stuck in more of a positive cycle than a negative one, which is fantastic. So all of that to say, Shay, so excited to have her back on the podcast. And she is just, I mean, a genius human being. I I feel like I just need to like absorb everything she says all the time, which I do by the way. She is my business coach and has been for almost a year now and we've been working together very closely during that time and so I've grown so much as a person. I've grown so much as a as a business uh, owner 
through this time and because of working with her. And I can't recommend her enough. Not only does she work with entrepreneurs, but she also works with folks who are looking to grow in their career. So it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or not, if you work for someone else. She does a lot of creative strategic coaching and then also career coaching. And she's fantastic with both. And Shay also holds a master's degree in business management and English Lit from Case Western University and New York University, respectively. Uh, And before establishing her own coaching practice, she worked as a director of brands and production at Kinder Modern in New York. And in addition to her coaching practice, she is the founder, well, one of the founders at Breakaway, which is an innovative small business advisory firm and co-host. She's also the co-host of Camp Adulthood the podcast. And if you love like a really good, deep, intuitive dive into all sorts of different topics that are just super thought provoking, she brings on some of the most amazing guests, her and her co-host Maddie. And uh, the Camp Adulthood podcast is one of my favorites out there. So I highly recommend that. Definitely give it a listen. And uh, for our listeners, you guys, Shay is offering... Obviously, you can schedule a discovery call with her at any time, but if you're looking for some coaching, if you need some strategy help, Shay is um, giving you all $150 off her three-month creative strategic coaching program or $100 off her career coaching program. And I will obviously link to those in the show notes for you, but you can hop on. Uh, you know, do a free discovery call with her and see if that would be a good fit. All you have to do is mention Rebel Heart Radio to get $150 off that creative strategic coaching program or $100 off her career coaching program. And without further ado, here's Shay Keats. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. I am very excited to be joined once again by my business coach and strategic coach, Shay Keats, on the podcast today. Hey, Hi, Cassie. Thanks for having me again. This is always such a delight. I feel like we're just building out basically an online course with multiple episodes over time. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I will totally, I think that should definitely be in the plans. And I will say I've actually done that by accident before with the course I run now for boutique fitness studio owners started as a podcast discussion with my friend Emily. So it, it can happen. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just, you know, Add I'm it to always telling you guys, repurpose <laughs> your content like 10 different ways. So mm-hmm. here we are. Mm-hmm. Well, today I'm really excited because today we're going to dig into really trying to move past self-doubt and cultivate confidence within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think personally working and being in community with other women so much now, I mean, it mm-hmm. literally is my day to day of my job. There's such a lack of confidence and a lack of self-awareness that I see Mm -hmm. in my coaching conversations and in my friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. um, for women. And it feels like an epidemic to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Cassie. And this is, you know, it's interesting because when I work with my clients and I give this workshop as well as others, I am pretty adamant that I am not a mindset coach, except when it comes to this one particular thing, because I mm. think that it's so important. And it is one of those foundational um, elements that if you are not working on this, if you are not literally cultivating confidence, um, all of the time. It doesn't really matter whatever else you do because that 
whatever you build that garden that you're building or to continue the cultivation metaphor is just it's not <laughs> it's not going to flourish or your house or whatever whatever works best in your brain it's not going to stand up if you don't have this foundation of ultimately believing in yourself and particularly for women we are just um I don't want to say brought down. I feel like that's almost a little bit of a violent metaphor, but our confidence is consistently undermined both consciously and subconsciously. And you have to start recognizing those places where the world and even people who love you are making it harder for you to be successful. I love that. I, well, I don't love that, but I love, (laughs) I love what you said. Yeah. I think, I think we have, so many negative messages coming at us all the time Mm -hmm. and our capacity to accept negativity is unfortunately larger than Mm -hmm. our capacity to believe in ourselves Mm -hmm. you know the it's amazing how accepting negativity that neuroplasticity process can feel so passive Mm -hmm. and yet it's ever present in our everyday thoughts but the positivity takes so much activeness over passiveness in Mm -hmm. order to not only like be able to drink it in but but be able to you know kind of continually bring that back into your mind and resonate in that space in that positive space in that space of confidence exactly I gave this workshop on confidence uh, to a group of professional women at a multinational company in New York City. And one of the young women said to me, it's easier to believe the bad stuff. And I, I, I've i come back to that so many times because, yeah, it is easier. It is easier to just be like, well, if my mom says that I'm bad at this, I must be bad at this because I love my mom. You know, it's easier to do that than to have, right, to have that really difficult conversation where you have to examine a a lot of your belief system and a lot of your your support system and really look at them critically. And that doesn't mean making a good or bad value judgment on them, but looking at where you're receiving these messages and, and giving them a critical examination and then judging for yourself whether that person or that message um, is something that you should heed. Wow. I mean, the moment you said your mom, I was like, wow. I mean, we have so many positive relationships, beautiful Mm -hmm. family relationships, Mm -hmm. friendships in our lives. And I think it's easy to really like, right, weight those things when we hear negativity or opposition Mm -hmm. from family or friends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing I always tell myself is like, am I getting advice on the thing that I'm doing when it's coming to like maybe business from someone who's also in entrepreneurship because that's where I should be getting my advice (laughs) and community. But one of the things that I think is so easy to, it's easier said than done in trying to take this in while you're also, you know, kind of fighting that, that negativity, that negative self-talk that can happen after some of those comments from friends and family Mm -hmm. is people are speaking through their own negativity bias, right? They're speaking through their own insecurities. And when someone says something to you, um, that feels, you know, like a hit to your confidence and Mm -hmm. delivers that self-doubt for you nine times out of 10, it's their own self-doubt that's coming into play. And we don't see things through that lens, you know, all we exactly. can see is what we're doing 
uh, you know, wrong or what what's negative about what you were doing in that moment. It's it's so frustrating to see. And I think on top of that, it, particularly when we're talking about comments that we get from from people who otherwise we know support us and want us to succeed, um, I think particularly, you know, people who have filled a parent role for us or a, some kind of mentorship role, you know, we forget that they're fearful for us, right? So if we say, oh, you know, we I have, I'm going to start a new job or I'm going to start a new business or I'm, you know going out with this new person, you know, it doesn't, not only are they layering in their own issues, but then on top of that, well, what if this doesn't work out for this person that I love? And what if they're Mm. hurt? And they're worried about that for you. Um, And I think it's always important to remember that, right? That a lot of this comes from a space of fear, but Mm. it goes back to I think re-examining, right, doing the work of thinking about, okay, what was this interaction really, really about? And, you know, I I take this, um, you know, I think, again, recognizing how much it is, is, is this person who loves you, are they fearful for you? Are they, are they trying to protect you? Or, you know, sometimes you can, you can get a different message. You know, I have a mentor who, you know, I overall have a wonderful relationship with, but she has said some things over the years that has have really destroyed my confidence. And as I've worked on going at, you know, again, this this cultivation of confidence, I'm able to go back and be like, you know what, she said that thing because I wasn't as a business owner being clear in what I was doing. So of course, this mentor of mine who is an incredible entrepreneur is going to say, I don't get it. You know, and that's her her job as a mentor. So instead of being hurt, and let me say, it's not like I am some kind of Zen master because I am not <laughs> very far from again. I am not the mastermind or the uh, mindset person. Uh, you know, I have that, but I've learned like after kind of that sting goes away to spend a little bit of time with that and say, okay, if this mentor of mine didn't really understand what I was saying, then my message isn't clear. So I need to go back to my messaging and then I need to run it by her again. And if then she goes, that's a great idea. Okay. I've now, you know, feel more confident and I've used what she told me to, to create something good as opposed to just being like, well, she thought that was a terrible idea. So I'm throwing it in the garbage. You know, it's using it to, to build, um, to build up instead of break down. I love that. I honestly, I think one of the things that I struggle with the most is just this process of becoming more confident because I really do think it's something that happens with practice over time, Mm -hmm. something you've talked about a lot. And I, it's so easy again to get caught in that negativity loop. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your best advice to like start to like, you know, and I hesitate to say like, how do we do this? I think just start the process mm-hmm. of breaking through that negativity yeah. and then finding your own rhythm and kind of moving toward a more confident, self-assured place. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think an important thing, again, is to first recognize that that you're never going to reach the summit of this mountain, right? Your confidence is going to ebb and flow and wax and wane throughout your life. Um, And I think about this a lot because I think about the times I was most confident, particularly when I was younger. Again, an important exercise because I can look back and be like, what was I doing at that point? What 
why was I more confident? And But that, I've then had big swings the other direction. Again, I feel like less confident as I've gotten older when you think it should be, be the opposite. Um, so I think recognizing that it's always going to be a journey and work is really important. Um, and I think the best way to start cultivating confidence is, granted, there, there are always these big overarching exercises that you can do about, you know, what what is the big picture and what are the big goals and, and all of that. But I like to look at one activity, one thing that you are nervous about, and then work on really tangible exercises to get um, – to make you feel more confident in that situation. So like, I'm going to use an example and I want to use a non-business example. Like, let's say, okay, let's say you are um, going to, your kid just started at a new school and you are really nervous because you don't have any other parent friends at that school and drop off it. Okay, I guess this is the middle of coronavirus, so we're not doing this. But pretend coronavirus isn't here anymore. (laughs) Um, And you're really nervous, right? Because you want to make friends, you want to create a great community for your kid at this school, but you feel intimidated, right? Maybe maybe you're new here. So you have a really tangible event, right? The school pickup. And before then, you can practice deep breathing. You can practice standing up straight, doing a little bit of a power pose, which again, it's it's not, and I talk about this in my workshop, the power pose thing is a little bit debunked, but it does make you aware of your body. It makes you aware of, are you standing hunched over or are you standing up strong and tall and proud of who you are? Um, you can practice visualization before this event. Okay, what's it going to look like? How am I going to feel when I go up and introduce myself to a potential new friend for our family? There's all of these things that you can do before you're in this specific situation. And then it feels bite-sized, right? It's not, okay, how am I going to change confidence forever? It's how am I going to change confidence in this one situation. And then, you know, what I talk about with my clients is, okay, how are we going to apply this to a client pitch? How are we going to apply this to a really big conversation you have to have with your boss? How are we going to apply this to our work? How are we going to apply this to living the life that we really want to architect for ourselves? And then it's, again, picking those touch points and then applying these various strategies to just feel more confident in the moment, right? And each of those moments is a brick or a seed or, again, whatever metaphor we're using for this foundation um, that will then make your house stronger or make your garden more beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, yeah. man, I it's so much of that moment to moment um, tapping into yourself. And I think getting into this process of practicing confidence is so much about just Mm self-awareness and understanding that we all go into, you know, the newness. And I love the example of just meeting someone new at your kid's school. Yeah. Or, um, you know, this doesn't have to be a conversation about confidence and entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. but I think all of this applies. And it's why I don't hesitate to talk about entrepreneurship just in general on the podcast, Mm -hmm. because think so many of the practices that we see in engaging in learning about yourself and finding ways to love yourself and and let that exude in in what you do mm-hmm. is something that I wish was just taught to the average human being and yeah. especially the average woman um 
who, you know, maybe isn't an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so I love this conversation. You know, we can always bring it back to business, but we can also just bring it straight back to real life. Yeah. Um, And I, I mean, one of the things that I've seen over the years is this intense connection between confidence and, you know, kind of quote unquote success Mm -hmm. or reaching this potential that we're all going for, whether it's that as a mother, whether it's that as a business owner Mm -hmm. or a career human being, like whatever it is, whatever direction your life is headed or it's currently in, Mm -hmm. um, I think in order to see success in that area, we really have to have confidence. Can you speak a little bit to the connection between confidence and and success? Yeah, so there have been many, many scientific studies done that that show this phenomenon. So how confident you are is going to directly correlate to your success. Um, This is gonna happen time and time again. And there are, again, so many interesting studies done where, for example, Uh, in a university setting, they will have two groups of students. And one group, they'll tell them like, oh, you know, you're like way qualified to do this test. Just go in and do it. No big deal. And then the other group of, you know, equally uh, competent students, they'll be like, it's going to be really hard and you're probably not going to be equipped to do it. And the group that was told that they can't do it inevitably gets lower scores on the test than a group that's told it's going to be easy. Um, and again, studies have been done like this in, in many psych departments across the world. So if you're some, if that's something that you're interested in, you can certainly do an internet deep dive on, on that. But, um, you know, I think the big reason that confidence belays success is because the more confident you are, the more opportunities you're going to go for. So it, that it just, again, kind of getting back to the math and science, if you put yourself out there more, it becomes a numbers game. The more you're putting yourself out there, the more people you're introducing yourself to in the school pickup line, the more clients you're pitching, the more recipes you're trying, the more um, projects you're doing, the more the number of times you get up after you fall uh, and uh, in a difficult conversation, you know, the more times you do this because of your confidence, the more successful you're going to be because you're practicing, you have more chances, et cetera, et cetera. But if you don't feel confident, you're never going to take those chances. You're never going to take those opportunities. And then I think on top of that, for women especially, it then becomes, it, it then kind of translates to this really yucky place of I don't feel worthy, you know? So what eventually began as a lack of confidence is, well, I'm not worthy of having those friends. I'm not worthy of having that opportunity. I'm not worthy of having a good relationship. Um, And that's a pretty nasty place to be. Well, and it's so cyclical. Mm -hmm. Like the confidence breeds you taking more chances, the more chances you take, the more likely you are to have success in that area. And it just keeps going, Mm -hmm. you know, continuing in that cycle. And if you're in the negativity loop, if you're stuck in the negativity loop, Mm -hmm. you're going to stay there Mm -hmm. unless you do something to jolt yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of these, you know, building practices to build confidence can really start to do that. And it's, it's, I feel like it's the smallest thing that can take you out of a a negative thought and into a more positive space and and not again, and not a place of perfection. Like you and I don't have this completely figured out. We have to employ these tactics often, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though I am 
you know, on the surface, a relatively confident person, mm-hmm. I still have plenty of self-doubt. Yeah. It just creeps in in kind of some really different yeah. and interesting ways. And I, I think for me, and, and this is one thing I, I haven't really talked about that much, is I've gotten so much feedback through my life. And I always feel like, again, imposter syndrome, by the way, is totally wrapped up in all of this. Of course. Um, where people, particularly other women, will be like, I don't know how you did that. And it's not just... Um, you know, my career as an entrepreneur, but whether it was going back to school or I've taken some, you know, pretty big trips or taken a risk on, you know, a relationship or whatever, whatever it's been. And I'm like, well, that doesn't mean that it wasn't scary. And there was, there's a part of me, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking, uh, so 10 years ago, I hiked the Camino de Santiago in, uh, Spain in northern Spain, which is a 500 mile hike. It was an amazing experience. Would love to do it again. Um, and I quit my job to do it. I was making like no dollars, and I was like somehow saved up a significant amount of money, and was like I'm just gonna go and do this thing. And people were shocked that I was doing this. It was just at the tail end of the recession, um, and I remember showing up in Spain taking the bus six hours to like the trailhead and it's like pouring down rain. And I was like, I don't remember it being this rainy when I lived here before, but (laughs) so it's pouring down rain and I get out of the bus and I'm just like, oh shit, what am I supposed to do right now? I mean, I was like, I've never like hiked, you know, 10 miles, let alone 500 miles. And here I am getting ready to start this thing. And I guess my point of the story is not that I was like so great and so brave, but that I made the decision and I just did it. I ripped the Band-Aid off. And it wasn't, it was a great experience, but there were a lot of moments that are, were very hard and a lot of moments of self-doubt. And I can, you know, I could use many different stories from my life to illustrate that. But the thing was, I just kept going. You know, I committed to it um, and I just kept going. And again, you know, it's funny as I say this, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not a proponent of like, push past the breaking point when you're doing something you don't like. I've, I'm like, I've encouraged many people to like quit grad school programs and jobs and <laughs> things that they don't love. I needed, I needed you, for I needed yeah. you in my ear when I quit grad school yeah. oh, many man. years ago. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing to do. And people are like, but don't you have two graduate degrees? I'm like, yeah, but I love telling people because right. It was one of those things where you get into it. It's the same story. You know, if you're in it for six months and you still don't love it and you still hate it, get out of it. You know, and again, that's another decision where you have to be confident in the leaving as much as you were confident in the going. And it's the same ripping off the Band-Aid either way and just knowing that you know yourself. And now I feel like I've gone on a tangent, but... um, No, I think think one of the things that happens when we get ourselves stuck into a life that's not designed specifically for us Mm -hmm. is, you know, not only leaning into the expectations of others, but not really being in connection with like our own values, our own ethics Mm -hmm. and what we truly, what we truly value and want for our lives. And that's, I mean, an ongoing theme for me in any of these kind of big juicy life decisions where Mm -hmm. I just like quit something and switched it up. Yeah. And, and, unfortunately for me you know it took my dad being very sick and me coming home from Colorado which is where I was going to grad school and then coming home in order to help take care of him and Mm -hmm. 
get to spend more time with him because I finally understood how bad his health was and that this is what mattered. Mm -hmm. And so I came home. I hadn't finished my thesis yet. That was, I am a thesis shy of a master's degree. (laughs) And I know you might've told me to stay with it, but I, I, it's really interesting. I was so, uh, enmeshed with the expectations of my professors Mm -hmm. and what I was supposed to do in the next step of my quote unquote successful career Mm -hmm. coming from a private school and going to a very, um, you know, a very influential group of people mm-hmm. in the you know space of economics and agriculture which sounds weird and interesting right in and of itself yeah. but I it's it's where I had landed myself and when you go to a small private school the conversation is like you uh see a little bit of like institutional nepotism that allows you to get a great job immediately mm-hmm. And I graduated in 2008, so hello recession. Mm-hmm. There were not a lot of jobs. And I wasn't trying to go for a job anyway. And it almost, this might sound really stupid, but going to grad school felt like the safe move. Mm-hmm. Like that was yeah. the safe move for me yeah. to make. And I and so I made the safe move. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the influence of my professors at this private college, which is, hey, the next step is always graduate school. Mm-hmm. Academics over practical anytime Mm -hmm. and so and then you get into the graduate school paradigm where it's like publish or perish Mm -hmm. and when you're a part of a research team and there's so many expectations in that space too and what I found for myself is kind of taking this back to this level of you know being in touch with your core values and your self-awareness and your motivations Mm -hmm. is I I couldn't see that I was not in it until I was physically not in it. Mm-hmm. Like I had to remove mm-hmm. myself from that situation, which was not the intention when I left. I was yeah. like, I will, I will finish my graduate program. I'll get my thesis done. It's going to be really hard because me doing it from a distance. Mm-hmm. I really disliked my advisors. They were super chauvinistic assholes. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't, I couldn't see that that space wasn't serving me until I removed myself from it. And I'll never forget telling Josh that I was quitting and he was just like, Hey, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. This doesn't, this doesn't resonate with like the things that bring you Mm -hmm. joy. And so the next several years for me were finding that connection to like what I love, what motivates me, those core values, what that looks like for me. And so much of that is like circled around food and community. And, you know, you and I are getting to work on projects now for my yes, stuff that so are, that's, awesome. that's, you know, supporting that. But it took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I, I don't want this to sound ego driven, <laughs> but as a, as an Enneagram eight, I tend to have a lot more of that self-assuredness. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a double-edged sword because you can have self-assuredness in a space where you're really not meant to be yeah. because you naturally lean that way anyway. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is my career choice and I'm going to be an economist and I'm going to, you know, whatever. Yeah. I love it. And then I was like, oh no, I really, I don't love it. And I let someone else's values speak to my own. Mm-hmm. Um, a total massive side note story. <laughs> no, sidebar. no, I but love will it. You, will you speak a little bit to how core values play into this cultivation of confidence? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think when you're when you're doing this kind of work on yourself and and whatever that that looks like, you know, that getting to know yourself whether it's 
being a nerd about the Enneagram like we are or <laughs> doing a lot of therapy or doing a lot of journaling and reading, whatever whatever works for you, the more that you know yourself, um, the better that you are going to be able to pick up on those little tickles of like, okay, like, yes, I'm good at this. Yes, this is what's expected of me, but this doesn't feel right for me. And then when you are able to say, because I've spent the time doing the work and I know who I am and I know what my core values are and I know also what my core motivations are, which again is a big part of the Enneagram, um, but is so, so, so important. I mean, that's, I think, a thousand percent been my biggest takeaway of that work for myself is just knowing what motivates you. When you find yourself in a situation like you did, Cassie, where you're like, you know what, I'm good at this. I like it. You don't dislike it, right? You know, you're clearly there for a reason, right? We can like many things without having to make them our career. That when something happens or you start to feel like this is not the path, again, you can say, okay, I know how to examine these feelings. And then I'm confident that when I make a decision that to people on the outside, those people who may you know, are, are responsible for either breaking up or building down your confidence. Um, when they hear that decision and they're like, why in the world were you, are you leaving this prestigious grad program, you know, three months before your thesis is due, you can say, hey, you know what, this is the right choice for me. And whether or not you share this with that person, but you'll know at least this is why. And that's so, so important. And I've, you know, come back to that time and time again in my own life. And then I think, too, it allows you to know when you need to do what you did, Cassie, which is shake it up and do something different and, you know, get, again, I know you left the program at first for a a personal emergency, but you were able to move yourself out of that space, right? And I think there's a movement in, in space, whether it's a mental space or a physical space, that allows you, right, to be more confident because you're trying new things. And if those core values are, again, underpinning all of that, it's going to, to create a greater sense of self, a greater confidence in self, a greater trust in self um, that is going to help you make the right decision and then conquer things that are, are difficult. So what are your... What's your best advice for leaning into figuring out what those core values are? Because I think when we're so disconnected from self, it's really hard to to see that. And I think it's hard to put words to that, mm-hmm. too. And I think this is especially an especially helpful exercise that you've taken some of my myself and my entrepreneur mm-hmm. buddies through. Yeah. Um, but how do we how do we get connected with some of those core values for ourselves? Yeah. There's a really great exercise that you could do. I I would say give yourself an hour to do it, although you can do it in as short as like 15 minutes. And um, honestly, if you just Google list of core values, it will come up and there's it's a list of words and you kind of go through it really fast and you don't overthink it. And as you go through it, you just put a star or a circle around um, the words that really resonate with you. And after you go through that, you may have, it's, I think it's a list of like 100 words or something. You may have 20 words that really resonated with you. And then you're going to whittle those down even further. And you're going to say, okay, out of these 20 words, these five just really 
really, you know, light something up in me. I, I have a really strong reaction to these. And then you're going to add a verb to each. So all the words in the list are nouns or adjectives. Um, and then you're going to add a verb to them. So you may have chosen um, joyful or joy, happy, um, successful, etc. And you'll say something you think then about, okay, I chose joy. What do I want to do with joy? Do I want to embrace joy? Do I want to search for joy? Do I want to um, bring joy? Do I want to choose joy? All of these things are very, very different. And I, I when I give the workshop, I tell a story. I, I work with a company called Breakaway and joy is their, their number one core value. They come back to it. It guides everything that they do, which is really interesting because they're an accounting firm. So who thinks about joy and accounting? Terrible. Yeah, but they look really different from the outside yeah, because of that. Exactly. Um, but they, they spent months, okay, do, oh, do we bring joy or do we choose joy? Do we bring joy or do we choose joy? And they finally, they went with bring joy, right? Because they're, as a company, they're bringing joy to an industry that is like sad and not joyful. So that was really important to them. But that's a very, it's a very different meaning than if you choose joy. So I really, when people do this and they choose their, um, their words from the list, I really encourage them to spend a lot of time with thinking about, you know, what are the verbs? What are the modifiers you're going to put with those nouns? Um, because it can really change the meaning if you chose, you know, happiness or practicality or whatever it might be. There's a lot of different ways that that things shift with the other words that you put around it. So mm. encourage people to spend some time with that. Yeah. Wow. So what are, I mean, so much of this comes back to like having a clear vision for what you want. Again, that's part mm -hmm. of being connected to that self-awareness. Yeah. Um, how do you like to walk your clients through setting goals? Mm -hmm. Like, are we looking more like closer? Are we looking further away at like our really long-term goals? Yeah. How do we get to where we want to be while practicing confidence along the way? It's not a small question. No. I'm like queen of not small questions <laughs> no. on this podcast. It's great. I love Can it. you please figure out our lives for us? Yes, that would be great. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> um, She's actually really good at it. You guys. Thanks. Thanks, Cassie. Well, you can go to my website, jkeats.com and learn more. No. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, you can. Yes. Uh, but no, I mean, I think this is a really great question. And there are, I have two, I have two answers to it. And I don't think one is a little more loosey-goosey and one is something that you could literally do the second that you get off of this call or off of listening to this podcast. So first of all, I I like to look at midterm, um, or I'm sorry, long-term, midterm, and short-term goals. And I think those are kind of the three places where you want to want to hit your goal setting. Um, long-term for me is 10 years. You don't want to go much more than that. Because I think if you go much more than that, then you're getting more into the realm of visualization. Like, what do you want your life to look like when you're 80? Also a very valuable exercise, but not really what we're talking about here. Um, and that long-term goal for you, pending how fast your career goes. I know entrepreneurs, they're 
particularly, their lives can flip and flop and switch and change. So your long-term goal, and I operate a little bit more on personally on this scale of my long-term goal being about five years. Um, And then again, your midterm goal, pending what your scale is, is about half of that. So let's say five years or two and a half years. And then your short-term goal, regardless, is what's coming up in the next year? What's coming up in the next, um, I think you get a little shorter than a year, it can feel a little daunting, like, oh my gosh, what do I have to accomplish in the next 60 days? Um, There's a lot of great people who do short-term goal setting, but I like to think about it. Okay, what do I want to accomplish by the next uh, year? And again, when you're thinking of those long-term goals, this is stuff, you know, it could be write a book, open a restaurant, um, get my kid off to college. Like there are so many things that can be dumped into that long-term goal. Um, And you're not going to have a ton of immediate action steps maybe for that. However, you're going to create your midterm goal. And the midterm goal, again, is something like, Okay, let's say if your long-term goal, just because I'm talking with Cassie, is open a restaurant, your midterm goal might be write a cookbook. In fact, I'm just going to use you as an example, if that's okay. And then, Don't tell everybody everything. Oh, sorry. Is this all secret now? No, I'm okay. totally kidding. <laughs> um, um, and then when we get to the short-term goal, it's, uh, you know, okay, working on the blog, working on the newsletter, working on other special projects that I won't share yet, but that we are having a really good time working together on. You know, it is working on those projects and then when you look at this kind of as in a whole as a whole then you see okay the short-term goals are the stepping souls stepping stones to the midterm goals which are the stepping stones to the the large goals and I think one thing again as with everything and particularly in my work we tend to look at goal setting as something that's really set in stone but it's important to remember that goal setting should be organic and your goals are going to um, shift. They're going to change. Uh, so so really, <laughs> to just really take it down a rabbit hole, sometimes it's important to think about what is underneath those big goals, right? You know, if your goal is to write a book or, okay, well, maybe your goal is to write a book, but maybe what that goal is really saying is that you want to get your message out to more people. And maybe after working on your book for a year, you realize, okay, I didn't actually want to write a book. I wanted to have a podcast because that's a medium that I feel more comfortable in. So you're going to make that shift. And that doesn't mean, again, and to bring it back to confidence, that doesn't mean that you failed at your goal of writing a book. It means that it transformed into something that's actually better. So again, this is where we get into the mindset work where it's, okay, I beat myself up about not writing the book or I'm proud of myself for for actually achieving my goal of sharing my message through my podcast. So again, and it's easy, particularly I think if we share our goals with others to to feel like we have to live in that failure, you know, but that's not true, right? You're writing the narrative. It's your life. So spin it Mm -hmm. however you want. So then I think the other thing that we can do is make sure that we are taking a really holistic um, view of our life and making sure that all of the tasks that we are doing are supporting these goals. Um, And one exercise I really like to do with my clients, and this is including my 
clients of all kind, whether they're career coaching or, um, you know, business coaching, we do the exercise with the Eisenhower matrix, which I don't know how many of you are familiar with this, but this is a, like a T shape, I guess. And it's got four quadrants and you put in one, what's important and urgent, what's important, but not urgent, what's not urgent, but important, and what's not urgent and what's not important. And you can put, you can, you can apply this to anything. You can apply it to what you're doing throughout the many things that you have to accomplish throughout the week. You can apply it to different long-term goals, but it helps you assess what are you really, what is really important to you? Because if something is in the important and urgent category, then that's something, that's a goal, that's a thought, that's a task that you should be constantly working towards. If it's not important, it's not urgent, get rid of it. Who cares? You know? And I encourage everybody to, when they do this about what's going on in their life, what they want to prioritize, to include everything, not just your business, not just your career, but, you know, and I was so proud of a client of mine recently because she just did this without me asking. And I pulled up her, her Eisenhower uh, matrix notes. And she was like, an important and urgent. It was like, uh, you know, do my marketing, do this, blah, 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 get a puppy. And I was like, yes, you know, all of that stuff that, you know, you want to say it's not important because it's part of your, the personal part of your life. It, it mm-hmm. It's just as important. And I think, again, this is something that we as Americans particularly have a difficult time doing is looking at our all parts of our lives as equally valuable. And I think, again, we're doing the goal setting. We're figuring out what what where we want to prioritize our time. We're going back to those core values that are driving all of that. And again, this is how we build confidence in all of our decisions and everything that we do is by knowing where we're going and why we're going there. I love that. I Going back to visualization, I think that's one of the things that actually allowed me to really hone in on what my real actual long-term goals were. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, man, I wish someone had walked me through some sort of goal visualization when I was a college student, Mm -hmm. because I probably still would have said own a restaurant, Mm -hmm. but I just thought it was going to happen a different way, which is like, I mean, I think that's true for a lot of us who kind of realize dreams at a younger age yeah. like we're I can't be sure how I'm going to get there yeah. right but this was something that I wanted and so I just knew I would have to have a lucrative career that supported me building capital in order to make mm-hmm. that happen because I can't have a boss from somebody yeah. else yeah seriously girl. <laughs> I cannot I cannot work for other people I agree. and so one of the things that helped my goal setting a ton was leaning into visualization. And that's only only been in the last like two or three years that I've started to dabble yeah. in that. Yeah. And then so much of the work that you and I have done together is exactly what you said. It's, you know, really uh, listing that out in terms of, you know, personal and professional. Mm-hmm. And when you say it's hard to put, you know, like more importance and weight on personal and as well as professional or equal weight or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is for each person. Um, I mean, like I am the quintessential person that struggles with that. Yeah. I'm like personal goals are not important at all, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's, it's so it's such a story mm-hmm. that we tell ourselves and it's something that's super perpetuated mm-hmm. in American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I mean, as women, the expectations laid on us by society are fucking ridiculous anyway. Yeah. And so we've got so many of these voices coming in. We haven't learned how to tune and tap into our own voice and our own Mm -hmm. desires and our own values in order to figure those things out. But one of the things that you and I have done together that's been so helpful for me is exactly the process that you described where you grab those long-term goals. Okay, now what's the midterm? What's the short-term? And making sure that all those short-term goals that you have are supporting that Mm long-term goal. And I think as an entrepreneur, just to kind of dip into that space really quick, it's really easy to make these like short term goals because like you're quote unquote supposed to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I need to grow my Instagram following because I'm supposed to, I need to write an ebook because I'm supposed to, I need to start a podcast because I'm supposed to or whatever it is. And it's like, well, what's the long term goal and what do you need to Mm -hmm. be focusing on in order to get there? Not what do you need to do that looks like what everybody else is doing? Yeah, I agree. And it's it's so easy to get stuck in that space so that I think that process and I think more people need to focus on setting personal long-term midterm and Mm short-term goals like you do not need to be an entrepreneur or someone who like is anything other than an amazing mother Mm -hmm. to like sit down and say like what are my short-term midterm and long-term goals as a human being Mm -hmm. and not to diminish that that's a serious job right you guys are I'm always gonna say like I am not meant to be a stay-at-home mom because I look at that job and I'm like, that's the hardest thing that you could ever do. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and some people love it. Yeah. And that is like their life's purpose and what they feel at least, you know, either for a time or, you know, taking up that role their whole lives, yeah. which is amazing. And so I definitely don't want to diminish that. But looking at your life from a personal level, like there's so much to be said for setting personal goals Mm -hmm. and this is I am talking to myself while I'm saying this I'm not perfect um but it's so hard to create this like beautiful vision for your life if you don't have any fucking vision about what it is that you want to do and accomplish well and I love Cassie so it's so interesting and I love that you said oh I wish someone had done those visualization exercises with me in college and I just I just have to underscore that because I feel like I went through an experience where, uh, I mean, talk about something that's going to shoot your confidence down. I So I did my master's in literature. I was going to get a PhD because I wanted to be a college professor. And that was the long-term goal. And when I went to apply for my PhD, I applied to 17 schools and got rejected from all 17, um, which that was very unfun. And, you know, that's not necessarily uncommon in that particular industry in um, the humanities academics, particularly in literature. And what they didn't tell us was most of these schools have for these PhD programs have a thousand applicants and three spaces. So nobody's getting in. Right. Um, They don't tell you that. But my point is, I wish I'm very grateful for having done my master's. It was an incredible experience. But I wish somebody had said to me, okay, why are you here doing this? Again, what is the long-term goal? And not to be a college professor, but my goal was and is um, on the professional side, you know, right, to be an educator, to be a mentor, to be someone who helps others on their path. Um, And then the reason that lifestyle appealed to me is because to a big extent, professors set their own schedules. They get to travel. They get to go on sabbatical. If they're parents, they have a really great schedule that you know allows them to be with their kids. So that was all the stuff that appealed to me about that. 
And when it came time the following year and everybody was like, oh, well, you're going to redo your applications again. And I, I knew that the second time around, I would have had a much stronger application because I really loved my master's thesis and it was great, if I do say so myself. Um, so I was excited to, I, it would have been really easy for me to do that, right? And I had some opportunities. Um, my thesis is on Canadian a Canadian author. So I had some opportunities, some conversations I'd had with Canadian universities. So I was like, yeah, I could give up my whole life and like move to Canada right now. And then I was like, what, what? And you know, why am I doing this? Right? Because it will make me feel good in the moment, but it wasn't actually supporting the long-term goals as I learned more about what that industry looked like. Right. Academia is a beast and it is probably dying right now. So, you know, it wasn't a good place, wouldn't have been a good place for me to go to achieve those long-term goals, right? So, and it's not just about saying, oh, I want to be a professor or I want to own a restaurant or I want to write a book or I want to do any of these things. It's getting underneath, okay, what do you really want? And I think figuring out what it is that you really want is what is going to allow you, again, to have confidence in those decisions when you say, no, you know what, I'm actually not going to reapply, spend another God knows how many thousands of dollars reapplying for PhD because it's actually not what I want, even though it looks like it's what I want. Mm -hmm. And when you're connected to that underlying why, that underlying motivation of what you really truly want, um, and again, it comes back to those core values, right? You are able to see the adjustments, the changes in your life, the moves from one career to another, from one state to another, from one country to another, whatever it is, as, you know, believing that you're really on that path toward what it is that you want. And man, the path is a little, it's kind of, it's, it's windy sometimes, Yeah, <laughs> but it's there. And, you know, I, in each move that I've made throughout my entrepreneurial career and even then before that in academia it it's easy for me to see now how one thing led to the mm -hmm. other so easy to see and how you know I like yeah I went to undergrad in math and economics like I have people that are like do you even use your degree and I'm like well first of all fuck you and second of all <laughs> yes because I mean everything that I learned about marketing about business about why consumers make decisions like that stuff is so interesting to me and it drives a lot of what I do and and so it speaks to everything that kind of moved after that but every single step was like a tiny little move toward what I actually wanted the whole time yep. and if I had had that connection from the beginning you know maybe there would have been some shorter steps yeah. in between like, yeah <laughs> from one thing to the next yeah and it's so easy to get stuck on a path because that's where you thought you were, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be or, you know, what our lovely friend Brianne always says, like shooting all mm -hmm. over yourself, mm -hmm. what you should be doing. Yeah. Um, and that connection to that core value is what can drive you into, you know, not only the space of, of you know, going the right direction for yourself personally, whatever that might mm -hmm. be. And again, it can change. Well, uh, um, but stepping into it in a place of confidence. Exactly. And I think, again, this just goes back to if, the idea of setting a goal like that, a 10-year goal or a five-year goal, seems really daunting to you. That's okay if you have that core value because if your core value is, um, I don't know, it, whatever it is, I keep coming back to the bring joy one because it's so clear, then every decision, 
you can ask yourself, even if you don't know where you're going, every little decision you have along the way, you can ask yourself, okay, does this bring joy? Does this cultivate Mm -hmm. happiness? Does it do whatever it is that you identified as your core value? You can use that almost as your flashlight, right? You know, what's that old kind of trite phrase of like you can – as long as you see like as far as your headlights, you can get get where you're going. You know, like you just Mm -hmm. have to see three feet in front of you um, and kind of keep moving ahead. Um, So you can use this again as your flashlight or your headlight, you know, okay – I don't know where I'm going, but I know how I'm going to get there, right? I have a compass. I have something that's going to ultimately direct me towards towards that, you know, that life that I want. I love that. Okay, well, you know, well, you know me well enough to know. I want to get down into some practical steps yeah. that people can take to really start to build love it. confidence. And um, I know that you've got a few tools in your arsenal. Yeah. What would you suggest for folks getting started? You know, because you talk, we, we started this conversation and so much of what you talk about is how confidence is really a practice. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's earned. It's not something that's innate necessarily. Um, or at least we don't tap into it innately. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. So I'm just going to, I can kind of list through what I talk about in my, in my workshop. Um, because I think there's a lot of really good tools and, you know, Cassie, feel free to stop me at any point and I can elaborate further. I mean, we've talked already about goal setting and why that's so important. So really, you know, and again, remove those shoulds, focus on what you want. Um, we've talked about doing a, a, regular visualization exercise. And again, these should always be super, super detailed, you know, get into that sensory language. How do you anticipate an experience is going to feel and how do you experience, think it's going to look and what are you going to smell or what are you going to taste depending on what the experience is? That's really important. And the reason why we do visualization is because this creates, it's basically a mental rehearsal. So if you've already rehearsed this in your head, when you actually go into whatever the event or moment is, you're already going to know what it's going to look like and you're going to see how it can play out so positively. Um, You know, and I think, again, the reverse of this is if you spend all this time visualizing how it's going to be a disaster, well, then it's more likely to be a disaster. I love daily affirmations. There are so many great... um, card decks or books, et cetera, uh, that you can get that help you kind of find a daily affirmation. Affirmation. You can also create your own. And sometimes that, that daily affirmation can be something as simple as I am confident. Um, and just saying that over and over again until you believe it can really help build your confidence. Um, I like to do an exercise about channeling your heroes. So think of who you admire and why. And again, I think this is similar to our goal setting exercise. You know, you can say Michelle Obama is my hero because she's a super successful, awesome lady. Well, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you just say, oh, because they're a successful lady. Well, I guess like Melania Trump is a successful lady too. So I don't know. Just trying to like pick the exact opposite of the goddess that is Michelle. But right, I am with you. Right. You know, <laughs> so you think, OK, so why is it? Why do I um, admire Michelle over Melania? And again, it's 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 digging deep and it's saying, OK, because I love the way uh, Michelle interacts with her daughters. I love the way that Michelle is 
uh, speaks her mind. I love the way that she um, doesn't care what anybody else thinks. I love, so you're going to say, okay, so those are the things. That's why it's not just any successful woman. It's this particular successful woman that I want to emulate and spend some time thinking about why and then how you can emulate that person in your life. Um, when I do this exercise in my workshop, I talk about my my person is Leslie Nope because I love Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec because she is so dedicated to helping her community and to helping the people that she loves and she loves friendship and she loves work and she loves waffles. No. <laughs> but <laughs> friendship, work and waffles and I I it's all you need. Really? Yeah, exactly. And it really resonated with me, so I'm like, okay, if my if again, becomes that question. Is what I'm doing cultivating my relationships? Is it cultivating my work? Then if it's not, it's easy to make a decision um, that, you know, something doesn't serve me. Um, We talked about, you know, being really present in your body and spending time before a stressful event. Um, You know, are your shoulders relaxed? How are you standing? Are you crossing your arms? Are you, you know, standing proudly? All of these things can make you feel more confident in the moment. Um, I love the idea of using a ritual or a lucky charm. And again, in so many of these things are just about creating a routine for yourself that calms you because the calmer you are, the more confident you're going to feel. And by having, um, oh, I don't have it with me, not that the listeners could see it anyway, but having some kind of talisman, maybe something that was given to you by a mentor or a family member that you can just touch before you go into a uh, stressful situation can really, again, make you more calm, increase your confidence. Um, and do you have one? So I was going to say, I have my mentor. It's um, it's this keychain that's made of like a bunch of resin. It's from one of the artists we work with that I worked with at my last job and they do a lot of work in resin. And then when they finish their projects, they have just this random chunks of like multicolored resin that are really beautiful and they put them on keychains and it's just like this really fun kind of random random piece that I really like. Do you have one? I do. Ooh. I have a keychain, which it. is so funny. I've never been a keychain person. So I have let me mind you, I have one keychain and a key ring with one key. Yeah. <laughs> do one car because our house is like we have a keypad or whatever we don't have keys so anyways all that to say I'm very minimal when it comes to keys but which is I mean this is impactful for me I have it just literally is like a white plastic plated it's nothing fancy it cost me like a few dollars but when you and I were on a mastermind retreat out at Magnolia in um, Texas Mm -hmm. We like we were all, you know, immersed in in the brand strategy of, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines and what they built with Magnolia. And the joke for my my business peers and myself is that I would like to be the like Joanna Gaines of like gluten free eating and paleo kind of, you know, that framework. And I really do want to build a Mecca. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what I'm working towards. You know, the deal. Yeah. Right? All the secrets. I love it. <laughs> and so having that, um, I have a keychain. It just says, you got this in gold. And it's just a plastic keychain. I bought like six of them because I was like, I know this is shitty and it's just going to like lose Great. its luster yeah. <laughs> over time. And I just keep replacing it. And uh, and I mean, I, I really like I think of that 
place Mm -hmm. when I look at that keychain. It's not necessarily about like, oh, this keychain is like perfect and so Mm -hmm. beautiful and highly valuable. And nope, it's none of those things. It's like, it reminds me of that place. And, and then also this is not mine, but I love to borrow this idea. Um, You know, Greg Renfrew is the CEO of Beauty Mm -hmm. Counter. And one thing that she always does is like, blasts some Eminem in her headphones before she walks on stage and the funny thing I I had a little internal laugh when you were like it's things to calm you down and I was like not for an Enneagram 8 it's not it's things to like build intensity and of course it depends on um what you're doing right if I'm going to go give a speech or a presentation or something like that I want to like high intensity so Mm. I, you know, I borrowed that idea of like having a song mm-hmm. that you listen to. I love to. that ritual. And mine is Nicki Minaj. Love it. Fly. Love it. So good. Yeah. Well, and I of think course it's rap. too, again, maybe calm is not really what you're looking for. It's that you're looking for focus. You're looking for something because our, I think something that undermines our confidence is just that we have all of these dialogues going on in our head all of the time. And by whatever it is blasting that Eminem or that Nikki or, you know, taking a minute to take a deep breath or touching your lucky charm, all of these things, yes, they may calm you or motivate you, but they focus you and they cut off all of that other conversation, which is just not helpful. Um, so I think, you know, again, we've talked about values. So I think there are two, a few more things that I'll, I'll focus on. Um, trying new things becoming a lifelong student is so important to building confidence because it allows you, for example, if you're like, I'm going to learn how to make sourdough bread. Okay. Whether or not you are, unless you're Cassie or, you know, someone who is a sourdough chef, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter. If you are looking yeah. to make sourdough, you need Teresa Jacobson yes. in your life. I'll link her, yeah. her stuff in the show notes. Um, <laughs> but right. For the average Joe, whether or not your sourdough turns out is of no consequence, right? Worst case scenario, you throw some bread in the garbage. Um, but by trying something new of really, you know, no confident, no consequence, okay, you fail a couple times and then you make a really awesome loaf of bread. Well, that, you know, burst of confidence you get from making a really awesome loaf of bread or, you know, again, maybe you decided, okay, I, my goal is to run a mile. Okay. Whether or not you run a mile makes no difference to anybody else in the world. But if you run that mile, you're going to feel more confident and you've tried something new. So the more that you can be, a a lifetime learner, a lifetime trier of new things, the more you're going to build up your confidence because failure is going to mean less to you, right? Yeah, I failed 20 times making that bread or it took me three months to run a mile. Great, because then you know that failure isn't the end of the world and you were still able to um, achieve your goal. So I really love, love that one. And then, you know, I think the last two things is we that I really want to encourage everyone to do. And again, things that you can do literally right now today. Um, And the first is celebrate your wins. I have been in so many situations with people in all different scenarios where something really great happens and they cannot celebrate it. They cannot be excited about it because they're already on to the next thing or they have so much anxiety of something else bad that could happen that, yeah, it happens. It happens. Um, So, you know, I encourage everybody to every day celebrate something and it, and to mark that celebration with more than just like, oh, this was nice. And again, it doesn't have to be crazy, but if you're like, you know what? 
that email exchange with my boss was really positive. I'm excited about that. So right now I'm going to turn on that M&M and have a dance party for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, you know what? I just... I feel really good about how this thing is going with a client. So I'm just going to drive over to the coffee shop and get myself a fancy latte. You know, again, it doesn't always have to be things that you are paying for, et cetera, but it's just taking that time to say, okay, I'm going to do something to celebrate. Um, so, so definitely build that, that practice in. And then last but not least, again, going back to that idea of, what are these other conversations that are going on in our head? We all practice so much negative self-talk all the time. Um, and I didn't think I was this person until recently when my husband pointed it out to me and he was like, oh, because I was like saying it out loud to him because I have like a mouth that never stops going apparently. Um, but even that, see, right? Like that is really a negative comment that I just made about myself instead of being like, oh, I talk too much. I could just be like, well, you know what? I have a lot to say and I am excited to say those things. So when you find and you've you even have, flipped that around for me, what I said, if you you've even flipped that around yep. for me in our conversations, yep. right? Because I have often also been told that I talk too yep. much and that's okay. Nobody talks too much. I just start a just podcast. Start a podcast. It's, it's great. It worked for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, you really want to, you know, think about those, those words that come into your head and how you can flip them. And I think a lot of them, you know, we say, look, I'm terrible at this. Okay. I'm struggling with this, but I know I'll get better. You know, there's a lot of different mm -hmm. ways that you can flip it. And it's so easy. You know, it's funny. I, we do this all the time with my stepson because he'll be like, I'm terrible at reading. And it's okay. You just can't read yet. You're learning and you will read soon. And there is, by the way, a great Sesame Street um, uh, video about the power of yet with Janelle Monet, And she does this amazing like song. I would highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I think it's called I'll The Power of Yet. Yeah. After I watch it. Uh, she is really lovely at all. Of course, like, you know, Grover and everyone is singing along. It's so cute. Um, but, you know, <sighs> That is just – and once you start recognizing how many times you have both verbal and internal negative talk about yourself, you'll you'll first be shocked. But then, again, you can start doing the work of just being like, hey, you know what? I'm going to think about this a different way. And then please don't start getting down on yourself for being down on yourself because that's a very nasty spiral. <laughs> and it, I do this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think just just working on it. Um, well, and to your point, I, you know, embracing that positive self-talk so much of that is just re rewiring your brain. Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand just how physical this process mm -hmm. is like the firing of neurons when yeah. they fire together, they're wired together mm -hmm. and you can rewire your entire freaking yeah. brain and your thought process yeah. with things with these exercises that you're talking about with thinking about your heroes mm -hmm. and their qualities with connecting to your core values, doing these daily affirmations. And, you know, we, I tend to avoid saying the words, <clears throat> excuse me, fake it until you make mm -hmm. it. Cause I just don't like the idea of faking yeah. Act it. Act like you live there. But yeah, I love it when you say yeah. that. The first time you said that to me, I was like, yes, <laughs> act like you live there. And so much of like creating affirmations for yourself is actually literally just like saying the thing that you want to happen like it's already happened yeah. so that you believe it has happened and or is going mm -hmm. to happen. And really like choosing that process is like 
you are choosing to hardwire your confidence mm-hmm. into yourself, like yeah. into your being, your physical being, which is so, so cool. I love it. And we have a, another episode of the podcast. I think it's episode 83. Mm-hmm. I'll link it in the show notes for everybody where Genevieve and I talked a lot about um, getting stuck in negativity and neuroplasticity mm-hmm. and like negative negativity bias. Um, if you guys want to dig into that process yeah. a little bit more. And but I, I just love that you bring up the science side of this, because it was something I wish, you know, three years ago when I really started a lot of my journey as an entrepreneur and, you know, and this is someone who had come from, I mean, I'd been doing therapy for five or six years. Like I certainly wasn't like a noob to this world, but I wish someone had really talked to me about the science behind why this stuff works, because I think it would have been much easier for me to accept because, you know, I say this, um, not because I think there's anything negative, like anything, I'm not putting a value judgment on mindset work. I clearly highly respect it, but it was really hard for me to get into it because I didn't, I'm a super practical person. And I was like, I don't really want to sit here and visualize what I'm going to be doing when I'm 80, because that doesn't really help me grow my business right now. And once I realized that, again, all of this science, this rewiring of your brain, this rewiring of your, um, Again, your actual neurons, it changes your hormones. It changes all of this stuff. It's yeah. fascinating. And I'm I'm also currently on this like deep dive for other reasons about like, you know, your body is a machine and, you know, again, you can get into a really existential conversation about like mind versus soul, et cetera, et cetera. But in my head, it all works together. And once I know the mm-hmm. science of why I am the way that I am, I feel like I have so much power, right? So, and now yeah. I know it's much, I feel personally um, way more motivated to now do these exercises because I know that it's not happening out here in like loosey goosey mindset land. It's happening in my, like in my physical brain. Right. So doing mm-hmm. this mindset work isn't just it, it isn't a futile act, right? There's there's something physical happening. And again, I don't say that to downplay any of that work. I just say it because I know there are other people out there like me who are like, I don't want to do this and why should I do it? And I'm gonna say there's science behind it and that means something and also it will make you feel good, whether or not yeah, your neurons I, do anything. I mean, you and I are very similar. I had to hear and learn about neuroplasticity in my nutrition program mm-hmm. in order to realize that all of this woo stuff that I've been asked to do in these kind of coaching relationships, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, in uh, in terms of, you know, getting more fit or in dialing in my, my nutrition or starting a career mm-hmm. or whatever it was, like, it's all rooted in this idea of neuroplasticity. And once I understood the science, I was like, oh, I'll do the woo if there's science that backs mm-hmm. the woo. Same. And same with meditation for yeah. me. I was like, give me the science that says meditating is going to help me. Oh, wait, there's a lot of science that says mm-hmm. that. Okay, I'll just, you know, I'll lean into that a little yeah. bit more. And I'm so practically minded as well. So I really, I see you and I hear Good. you on Thank that one you. for sure. I appreciate so. it. Um, okay. Well, I think we could talk about this for a thousand too. more years. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much Aww. for walking us through that. I love those little practical steps yeah. that you are giving everybody to to step into that. I mean, the really the beginnings again of that process mm-hmm. of building confidence, of cultivating confidence mm-hmm. as you name your beautiful workshop that I've had the chance to attend thank you. And, and host with my beauty counter yeah, team, which was so, so wonderful. 
Yeah. So I think so much of this personal work is really deeply rooted in, in practicality. Mm -hmm. You know, we all need kind of these tangible takeaway steps. So I'm really grateful that you, you had those in a bite-sized way for us today. Well, thank you, Cassie, for having me. This is always a delight and I, I so enjoy coming on here and chatting with you and, and your listeners. So thank you everybody for, for taking the time to sit with me again. (laughs) Well, thank you for being here. We really appreciate your time. Um, how can folks connect with you? Yeah, so there are a couple different ways. The best way is to head over to my website and sign up for my newsletter if you just want to hear what's going on. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I don't post often on there, uh, but and it is a private account. It's at Shay Keats, but you can just send me a DM and say, hey, I heard you on Rebel Heart Radio and I want to be part of your community and I will be happy to let you in there. But again, the best way is to go to the website sign up for my newsletter um, or feel free, you know, to reach out to me via email, which is sk at shaykeats.com. I love it. You guys, it's her real email. I mean, I email. Oh yeah. That's my real email. So (laughs) I love that so much. And she has a special deal for her um, strategic coaching services Mm -hmm. that she does for folks in career coaching and entrepreneurship. If you are a listener of the podcast, so stay tuned to listen to all the details for that too. Oh, Shay, thanks for Oh, you're so welcome. I just, I, Go ahead. Maddie would kill me if I didn't remind everyone that I also have a podcast. If you're into the podcast yes. thing and it is called Camp Adulthood, you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. And it is, um, I would say, a current events focused examination of millennial life. That doesn't sound very exciting, but it's me and my friend Maddie talking about what's going on in the world. And we have fun guests like Cassie on. Well, I, lo- I love your guys' podcast. I mean... Honestly, one of the more thought-provoking, but also current and and entertaining to listen to as well. So yeah, make sure you guys go listen to Camp Adulthead. I, of course, we'll link it in the show notes for everybody. Awesome. And uh, and you know, I, I just my personal plug for my friend Shay, who is also my strategic coach. You guys, if you're looking for someone to um, help you with your business strategy and really lean into, again, these exercises in getting connected to your core values and building confidence within what it is that you do and helping, you know, having some help to figure out what it is that, that you're good at and need to be following. Um, I, uh, highly recommend working with Shay. I cannot, cannot say that enough. I, you and I have been working together for almost an entire year. It's incredible. And we're going to continue into 2021 and any progress made in the business this year, I can attribute to your influence and advice. And I'm just, I'm so, so grateful for you you, and the work that we've been able to do together. So, um, get your guys, get you a Shay and guess what? You can have Shay. Mm -hmm. So um, make sure you check out her website. Make sure you check out her website. She is accepting new clients right now. Um, And uh, holler at me if you have any questions. You can email me at Cassie at the Northwest Kitchen.com if you want a little referral action. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.